We just want to welcome you all in this morning. We are so excited to worship with you. I want you to raise your hands. The praise band is going to come up here and we're going to revel. Absolutely revel this morning. I can't say this enough, but I just want you to know how happy we are that you have coffee this morning. <laughs> Sorry. And I don't know what else those mega churches do. <laughs> we might have to cut that. <laughs> nope. I don't, I don't like that one. We are keeping that. <laughs> oh, God. That is what our intro is. Oh, boy. Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the preparatory podcast. Uh, this morning, or actually, whenever you're listening to it, we're not even recording in the morning. This is the afternoon. And uh, today, we are going to be talking about Mosiah chapter 11. This is the last part in our fellowship store where we have three different groups going on in the land of Lehi Nephi and those in the. <laughs> <laughs> that music is good. Um, those that were in the land of Lehi Nephi are King Limhi's people, um, have made their way back to Zarahemla and are with King Mosiah. And now we're going to focus on the other two groups that are still in the land of Lehi Nephi, that being Alma and his people, and uh, the priests of Noah who escaped and are causing a ruckus, um, a wicked ruckus uh, in all the land. And somehow they're getting away with it. Um, do one of you, uh, my name is, <laughs> for those of you who don't Odd know. name. Yeah. My name is, <laughs> my name is Sam and Joris, and I forgot to introduce myself, but I'm joined with my two lovely co-hosts. My name is Andrew. <laughs> Jason Kane. Jason Kane. The man with the mic. We all have mics, but his is. Uh, his. His. This is my mic. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I've started this episode like four times in my mind. <laughs> Just gonna oh have to. Um, do one of you want to talk about what goes on in this chapter, chapter 11? Well, it's a lot of story. Um, last, last episode, we, we had a lot of story as well. This one continues with with the same stage that that we really left off at the like you like you said the king Mosiah and the people of Limhi um who just came in but then we later transition to <laughs> the word I lost last episode um transition to talking a little bit about Alma's son uh Alma the younger and and the experience that him and the sons of Mosiah have the king and it's probably one of the the most well-known parts of the book of Mormon Yes. If you're I would a agree with Mormon that. believer. Well, Alma is almost like, well, I'll say this. Alma the Younger is probably the Paul equivalent in uh, the New World. Yep. I um, would say so. Uh, that he was bad and then he was good. He was made good um, by the good Lord. But before we get to that point, uh, we're going to stick with Alma's people. And we remember from last chapter that they were in the Waters of Mormon area. Um, King uh, Noah sent spies and was going to go slay them all, capture them up. And Alma was warned. They escaped. Um, and so they flee further into the wilderness. And and they're hiding in an unknown spot. They have no idea what has gone on now that they've left. They have no knowledge of um, King Limhi. And that uh, those events that took place, they don't know that the Lamanites came and taxed them. They have no recollection. As far as they know, 
King Noah is still in charge over the people in the land of Lehi Nephi. And so they are Alma. They've kind of made him their, their leader because he's the one who has been preaching the word all this time to them. And, uh, and as their leader, he, um, he preaches often to them and he begins to just reinforce their beliefs and, and continues to teach them. We know from Alma's experience as a priest in the court of King Noah that he was involved in a lot of iniquity and a lot of wickedness was going on um, and he was participating in it. And as he talks to the people, he's telling them about his his journey and his walk with the Lord and how it happened. Um, in verse 9, he says, I was caught up in that snare that King Noah and his priests were, were caught up in the wickedness. Um, and he was doing many abominable things in the sight of the Lord. And it caused him sore repentance. Um, and I just wanted to take a break and say, why um, why was it so painful, do you think, for Alma to come to a knowledge of the truth? And I'll just toss that question to you, guys. Or girls. Well, um, I think this is kind of where um, the feelings of guilt come in uh, to the picture with repentance. A, l- a lot of the guilt, I'm sure, that Alma has of the wickedness that he's been um, doing is just probably all Russian. And when- once you know the truth and you know, you know, the the ways of the Lord, then you are very much aware of all the ways that you have fallen short. And um, that that's not a fun process. And um, that can be painful to um, go through. But we know with repentance, it's the guilt isn't what you're supposed to be um, dwelling on. The, the guilt should lead you to Christ and uh, to repent, and then uh, you have the actions of making that sin right or um, not doing those sins anymore. I wonder if he had a hard time giving up some sins that he had just grown accustomed to. That too. I think there's sometimes that people have like testimonies of like when they were converted, they're like, oh, I didn't want to. Like alcohol, this I've heard testimonies of people like I never wanted to touch alcohol again. Um, but that's not everybody, and I know that some people are like, "Man, I really like this Jesus stuff, but I am having a really hard time leaving that which I had before behind." So I wonder. I, I like what you said um, too, and I, I wonder if um, another side of it was he just he had a hard time letting go some of the things that he'd grown accustomed to. Um, and then basically what um, I think this also points to is that um, the only way that he would have needed to not have sore repentance is if he would have never needed or never done the sin. <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. there's no room for you to say like, oh, well, maybe I should sin a little bit and then I can repent later. It doesn't work like that because it'll just cause you more heartbreak later on. Um, and so he preaches to the people. And he begins to tell them, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. Also things that they knew because they knew that they were oppressed by King Noah. He says, uh, you've, you've appointed me. Well, sorry, he doesn't say that. He says, be very careful, basically, about who you appoint to be your teacher or your minister. And unless it's a man of God, um, don't do it. And I know we've talked a lot about leaders on this. We, we kind of 
discussed that actually earlier as we were talking about this chapter that we seem to talk about leaders a lot, but I'll kick it back over to Jason um, or Angie just because we don't want to spend too much time on it because we sound like a broken record, but um, what's the, obviously Alma's telling the people because it's important. So why is it important? I think, I think one of the biggest ways or one of the easiest ways to see why it's important is in the commandments of God um, and him telling us to look up for, for Zion, you know, um, he, he tells us to look up. And um, as we talked a little bit about keeping our eyes single, was that, was that last episode? Mm-hmm. We talked about uni- uh, having one eye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one, having one eye. Um, it, I mean, if that one eye is on something that's going to lead that eye astray, then, <laughs> then the whole bunch is, is messed up. And, and, and so there's, a different set of responsibilities, I think, for a person that is to lead people, and and ultimately, we do have some some good leaders in the Book of Mormon. Many good leaders, um, King Benjamin and King Mosiah were great men, and and Alma, the this guy we're talking about, he's a great guy. Um, so many people that are just great leaders, you know. But ultimately, they all had their shortcomings, and and what he's really saying here is is um, a good lesson for us all to have is that if anyone is not pointing you to Christ, then they're not a good leader. And that's really the mm-hmm. summation of of what he's trying to say. And probably the summation you can have for any leader that you yeah. are thinking about. Um, as the story goes, um, or as the events go, that Alma preaches to them and they and they're traveling through the the wilderness, they uplift each other, they're righteous, and they settle in a land called Helam. They they build up a city, they build buildings, they're industrious, and uh, they are righteous. And as they're building their their civilization almost, um, finally in a land far away from Kinoa, um, the Lamanite army, who was tracking the people of Limhi who got lost in the forest, um, come across Alma and his his group. And um, they thinking that it's the Lamanites thinking, hey, this might be the people we're looking for. Um, they come up to to kind of scout it out and maybe get ready to go to battle. But Alma goes to the people and he says, hey, we're going to put our trust in God. All this stuff that we've been preaching about um, and talking about, it's been really easy because we've had no opposition. It, that's we've we've been blessed, but we haven't had any opposition. And now's the time to put our trust in the Lord, that he will deliver us. And so he hushes their fears, it says in verse 30 war, 30 war, <laughs> 31. Um, and they begin to pray um, that the hearts of the Lamanites would be softened and that they would spare them. And the Lamanites' hearts are softened. The Lord does that. Um, and so Alma goes up to the to the Lamanites and um, he, he talks to them. And um, the Lamanites who had been after King Limhi's group, had found the, the priests of King Noah. And the leader of these, these priests was a guy named Amulon. And so Amulon becomes basically the main villain um, in this part of the story. And so you have Alma and Amulon and then the Lamanites. And so Amulon, who stole the, the wives or the, the daughters of the Lamanites, remember a long time ago, in last episode, we talked about that. <laughs> he has the daughters that he stole do the same thing, and that's to plead with the Lamanites for that to not to kill Amulon and the other priests of Noah. And the Lamanites are like, oh, well, these are Lamanite women. They're our people. Um, okay, we won't do that. 
And they, oddly enough, have compassion on Amulon, who's a wicked man, and they don't destroy him. And uh, and the Amulon and his the other priests join with the Lamanites, and uh, then they travel them. And and it, the Amulite, Amulon and his people just become basically Lamanites. Now, the important part to remember is that Amulon was a priest of Noah, so was Alma a priest of Noah. And so Am- Alma and Amulon work together, you know? Um, the difference being, Amulon was there when Noah said, hey, you should kill Alma because he doesn't want to kill Abinadi. And so, I don't know what this was like for Alma, but it was probably kind of like gut-wrenching to be like, oh, that guy I escaped from is now with these people who are in charge of me and governing my people. Um, <laughs> I would not be happy. I would be pretty scared. Um, and so... Um, Amulon strikes a deal with the Lamanites. He says, hey, let us be the people who look after this, this group here. And the Lamanites say, okay. So Alma and his people are now under the rule of the priests of Kinoa, who are arguably more wicked than even Kinoa was because they wanted to kill Abinadi even when Kinoa didn't want to. So um, that's where they're. Do you guys have anything so far about what's going on in the story about um, what happens now or what's happening now? Not not necessarily. I think it was a good point that you made about them being in a former life together and just having that interesting um, dynamic between the two of them. We often think as people in scripture as like only having a life in the story that we read. And um, it's very it's very cool. And I think that's why I really liked The Chosen, the, the series about Jesus's life is because it brought things to life and it, and it made those characters or those this people that we read about real and and um it's important for us to remind ourselves of that and it's important for me because i i tend to forget you know and, and it's one of those one of those times where alma and amulon <laughs> were probably kind of like alma might have been uncomfortable around him because he's like oh you killed the guy i look up to you know like i i've been finishing his work and <laughs> amulon's like yeah i was the reason he died and and they have to like be around each other apparently sometimes so it's just an interesting dynamic and and again a, a reason for us to um look at these people as people and and not just characters in a book yeah yeah huge point and so amulon becomes ruler over the the people at helam and alma and while he's not allowed to do anything contrary to the will of the Lamanites, he does start to persecute the church. And so he doesn't kill him, but he begins to really, I don't know what the persecute is a, is a good way to put it, I, th- <laughs> I think, but really make life tough for him. And the Nephites at, at Helam, in the city of Helam, um, this, I really love this verse um, in verse um, 64. Um, they've been praying to the Lord constantly that that they would they would know um, that God is still with them. And I guess I'll, I'll actually start up in verse uh, 60. This is the words um, that Alma gives to the people after they've been praying. And he says, It comes to pass that the Lord, voice of the Lord came unto them in their affliction, saying, Lift up your head and be of good comfort. For not, I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with this my people and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease the burdens, ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. 
Now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. This part specifically verse 64, it says the Lord did strengthen them that they could bear up their burdens with ease and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. I think that's important because it does list the blessing that they got, that they were given um, light burdens, but that comes because they submit to the will of the Lord. And if the Lord was to say, all right, I'm going to take away this blessing, they still have submitted their will to the Lord and said, okay, that's fine. Um, I thought it was very um, similar to um, passages in the New Testament, uh, count it all joy when you come into affliction. Um, and the other thing is that these people made a covenant with God and they are honoring that. And because they are honoring that, um, God has to honor his side of the covenant. And we know that he's always faithful and that never, there's never a time when he doesn't honor it. But um, just further proof that God is honoring his covenant, that he will bring this people out of bondage. <clears throat> and he tells Alma um, to um, gather the people together because the next day um, they're going to have to escape. And he causes this deep sleep to come upon the Lamanites and the... Uh, Profound sleep. Profound that's sleep. A, that's a cool way of, I don't know, not cool, but just yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about our use of, overuse of the word interesting. So, yeah. Yes. If you have any adjectives for the word interesting, we'd love to see them. Just send them our way. and Send we can... us an email, please. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to get an interesting email now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a profound sleep. I would love to have a profound sleep every now and then. You know? Yeah, that'd be really nice. I wonder if the Lamanites woke up groggy or if they woke up like, because if it's a heavenly sleep, then, huh. yeah, or maybe they felt like they didn't sleep at all. It but it just, was like a curse, so they yeah, might they might have woken up groggy. They woke up with those. How do you ever like get not enough sleep that your legs hurt? Oh, in the morning, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder it's if their terrible. legs hurt. <laughs> they had a profound sleep. Probably that had leg both, aches. Both legs ached. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, <laughs> um, they uh, they get out of Dodge. It says, and they've been in the wilderness for 12 days. They arrived to the land of Zarahemla, and King Mosiah did receive them with joy. And now we're getting to the part where basically the fellowship of the, the plates, I don't know what else to call it, um, is back together again. You got King Mosiah II, Limhi, the righteous king who was taxed by the Lamanites and you got Alma and his people who were at Helam who are getting away from the priests of Noah. So the only people still with the Lamanites are the priests of Noah Amulon, and um, the others who went there. Yeah. Who went yeah. there by choice yeah, yeah. and are wicked. And now they're all in Zarahemla, which is going, you're going to see for the rest of the book of Mormon becomes the Nephite stronghold um, and home base pretty much for all activities. The capital um, for all Nephite activities. The big apple. Yeah. Um, and so they come together. Um, they call a big conference, you know, um, and Alma and his people are welcomed in. The people of Limhi are welcomed in. And then uh, Mosiah reads to them the accounts of, of what was going on in both things. And I want to ask you guys about this. Is the reaction, not is the reaction, but the reaction of the people um, this is the reaction of the people when they hear what the people of Alma were going through. And you have to remember that um, the people of Limhi were not necessarily converted by Alma. Um, they they were the wicked people or wicked under King Noah, um, who after King Noah 
died and after they were taxed by the Lamanites, then humbled themselves and then repented and then became more righteous. You have to remember that. And so they hear what their the priests of Noah were doing and what um, their king was doing. It says that in, in verse 88, it says the children of Amulon um, and his brethren who had taken to wife the daughters of the Lamanites were displeased with the conduct of their fathers. So those who are associated with Amulon in all those years ago, no longer wanted to be associated with them, it says. Um, they took upon themselves the name of Nephi, that they may be called the children of Nephi. Um, sorry, but I wanted to just uh, ask you guys about verses 83 through 88. As they're hearing what's going on, the people of Mosiah and the people of Limhi um, are very emotional in the time of, or in the aspect of responding to what was going on. Sometimes we're kind of taught to, Emotions aren't necessarily a good thing that we need to just be focused on the kingdom, but these people are really reacting to the point where they're rejoicing and they're mourning and they're having cry. They're crying with tears of sorrow. I don't know if you guys want to read that real quick and then tell me what you think of it. I really liked 84. Um, and it, and it, funny enough, it made me think of remember the Titans. Uh, I'll read that real quick so that people know. Sure. It says, for when they beheld that there had been delivered out of bondage, they were filled with exceeding great joy. You know, and it, and he had just read them a story, a, a real story, but a, a story of what had just happened, you know, and like you said, uh, oftentimes we're, we're told that a, a emotion has its place, but not often in church and that, and that kind of thing. And I'm not here to talk about that really, but- I find it interesting that God does place within us certain things that that just speak to us at at a uh, just at a in, at a deeper level, and and one of those things I think uh, for me are are sports movies about underdogs. I and, and and it's true for almost everybody, you know. And I it made me think of Remember the Titans because you know after everything that uh, that team had overcome. After after the hardship that they had been treated by, the just everything that had happened to them, you know, you just want to see them succeed, and and I really feel like that's what they were here, is that they had empathy towards their brothers and their sisters, and that empathy drove them to to show that their love for them was real, and and I really liked that, and um, you know, it, it just shows how one the person was. Um, because one hand might not have known that the other was suffering, but when it found out, it suffered too. And, and I appreciated that and rejoiced when the other hand had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, on the topic of emotions, emotions are great. Like it, it makes the human experience interesting. It makes you be able to have empathy for others and truly understand others. Um, but where maybe we don't do a good job of teaching younger people is it's just, you're not supposed to be controlled by them. Um, because they are usually more involuntary things that are happening. And if, if you're being controlled by your emotions, then you're not going to make the right decisions. You're not going to make the necessary precautions that you need to in certain scenarios or any, anything that can happen like that. Um, but emotions, like sometimes you could have a surge of like 
bravery where you're like convicted to you have to do something regardless of what you know someone or regardless of the consequences or something like that and that can be a very good thing and that's kind of what drives certain heroes in our life is in our lives where you know that that emotion can help push you to uh different places but um we just don't want to be controlled by that and that's that's something that um, we, we want to be controlled and submit our own control to the spirit and the, um, leanings of Christ and the things that, uh, he would want you to focus on. And when you're in the spirit, then you have those fruits of the spirit and, um, you have that love and joy and peace and all, all those emotions in a, um, even more godly way. Yeah. They, they let the, the people here, let their emotions drive them to, um, love for their brothers and in all aspects they were sorrowful for the people that didn't know and they were so glad when the other brothers who righteous were able to come be with them and be safe and it drove them to an action to an 89 where they were no longer called by the names of their fathers yeah. too and and uh, that that was important as well you know they they allowed that emotion to empower them to do things but um it drove them to do good things. <laughs> yeah. And that's what was important. They didn't want to be associated with the, the bad guys who were their, their parents, yeah, their um, fathers at that point. Yeah. And so, um, Alma speaks, um, and he begins to teach them. And then, um, basically the work rolls forth in the land of Zarahemla under King Mosiah, the second and Alma, the elder. And, um, they have enough, uh, people that there's seven churches, um, now, it also clarifies and says there are one church, but there are seven churches. So I may take that as there are seven buildings, seven places where the people were meeting, um, all in the same one church being the Church of Christ. Um, and the problem that they face next is that as the years go on, um, that there begins to be people who are not, um, or children who grow up who did not experience what happened to the people of Limhi and the people of Alma. Um, the humbling. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and these people rise up or grow up and they, they don't have that same belief and same understanding that their parents did. Um, and they're not righteous. Um, I found this, this part kind of tricky. Alma goes to the Lord and he says, what are we going to do about this people uh, that is no longer with, the church and doesn't believe. Um, and I'm talking about in 121 through probably 136, um, the Lord gives him his response. Now, um, I want you to remember that this is not in the time of the judges. This is still with the king. And so if wanted, if they wanted to, uh, the king could put them in prison. He could do whatever he wanted. Um, but he's a righteous king. I don't want to read all of it. Um, and I, I probably just will sum it up, but do you guys get a chance to read this part um, where the Lord speaks to Alma and he tells them what he should do concerning the matter of the people who are not believers anymore? I I really liked verse 131 in that, or right in the middle. Um, he says, for it is I that taketh upon me the sins of the world, for it is I that hath created them. It is I that have granted unto him that believeth in the end a place in my right hand. And, and God's just saying, listen, I know this is hard. 
but they have agency just like you do, and, and they may be using it for, for evil in this sense. But I mean, I give this gift freely, and, and it is I that give it, gives it to them. So you're not going to take it away kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, it, and even though it's, you know, it's, it's hard because all three of us have had friends, family uh, that have left the church or left a relationship with God. And, and to some extent, you have to come to this realization or understanding that, that I mean, they are their own person. You know, and and that's kind of what God says here, but assigns some um, responsibility to those who have made the right choice and says, listen, they have something good coming. (laughs) I guess I guess my the part that was tricky or I had to dig and take a double take and say, well, how does that work? Um, It says um, in verse um, 35 and 36, he's talking about the people who are unbelievers. He says, then I'll tell them that I never knew them and they shall depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And this is talking about, you know, the, the final judgment. But now today, he says, therefore, I say unto you that he that will not hear my voice, the same shall ye not receive into my church. For him, I will not receive at the last day. Um, and to me, that was like, whoa, because there's uh, the aspect of the church is not a museum for perfect people it's a hospital for for sick people and i kind of wondered about that i i like what you said though that god is god i th- i agree with that that god is saying hey it's not on you it's on me i'm the judge here and they have their agency um but that said you know that god loves them a lot and so how could a god that loves them just say okay this is what's going to happen and they're not allowed in my church um well, I think at this point, Alma's pleading for their case, and so he's almost trying to say, hey, I know they're not trying to make the right choices, but can we do something for them in this case? And God's saying, yeah. that's their choice, you right. know? And so, that, that's kind of my... That was the other, as, as, even if you're in a hospital, that you have to want to get better to yeah. be, or you yeah. have to want to get better to even go to the hospital. Right. Um, and he doesn't just leave it as a dreary end. He says, go and teach the people. Don't let those who are still doing wicked and don't want to be, don't make them join the church. But hey, if they're going to confess their sins and if they're going to repent, I'll always forgive them. He says, I'll forgive them as many times as they repent. He says, and you should too, there in verse 140. But I thought that was like uh, interesting how this was the point where Alma was like, how can we get, you know, like you said, how can we get these people in the church? And God says, there's going to be some people that aren't going to join the church and I'll deal with them. But you just keep trying to to get them in. Yeah, and this also shows basically why we need to preach repentance a lot. Because you see, before, when they're saying, we're not going to listen to the voice of God, like it doesn't matter, even in the end, when they're standing in front of him and they know that he's the Lord, he's still saying they're not listening to him. And um, so you see that... He, there's nothing he can, he can do at that point. It's like, if you're not going to listen to me, even if you know for a fact that I'm the Lord, then there's nothing I can do for you. But it does show the role of repentance where after he says, tell them to repent, then that means you are following the voice of the Lord. That means you are submitting to God and you are you know, recognizing your sin and um, atoning for that. And so 
when you're doing that, you are listening to the voice of the Lord and he recognizes that. And again, like you said, forgives you. So it's completely on these people, um, whether it seems harsh or not, when, you know, God's basically like, well, you'll go to hell in this instance, but it's like, that's on the people. Like God is absolutely willing to hear their repentance. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and so Alma does take that message to the people and there's much success in, in bringing the people back into the church and back in and people confessing their sins and repenting. And this goes on for a little bit, but then the big hiccup is that Alma's own son, <laughs> who's the famous Alma probably that you're more familiar with and that you hear about more often than not, who the book Alma is named after, is one of them uh, who is a dissenter, who is a wicked doer, who is a... Uh, Troublemaker. Troublemaker. Yeah. That's a good ruckus one. grower. <laughs> I don't know if ruckus. Growing the ruckuses. <laughs> growing the ruckuses. <laughs> and the sons of Mosiah are with him as well. Growing ruckuses. A whole garden full of ruckus. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but this, like you said, is the most well-known story or one of the most well-known stories in the Book of Mormon. So, what I, I've been talking enough. Why don't, why don't you take it away on what's going on with the sons of Mosiah and Alma? Well, it's one of the most popular um, stories in the Book of Mormon for a reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for a reason. For a reason. <laughs> but it does happen to be one of the most popular. Okay. We said it enough. Um, they're causing ruckuses. There's a garden full of them. And Alma and Mosiah have been praying for them because they, I mean, they love them. And, and this is obviously, I mean, um, it hasn't even talked about their sons yet. And He's scared for the people. Alma is scared for the people. And he's like, man, they're so sinful. They're not, they're not choosing the right way. Well, then his sin, his son starts to sin like that. And then Mosiah's sons start to sin like that. Can you imagine like how, how hard he must have taken that, you know, like from his position and Mosiah's position, the example that they were setting by, by having a weak household almost. And, um, they, they pray and and they go to God and say, "Listen, please, please save our sons because I mean they they're doing these things." And um, let's see, uh, um, it, it is important I th- I think to list in one fifty two or in one fifty one and one fifty two Alma comes to the king and they consult a little bit about um, what they should do about the non believers. And then in 152, it says, and it came to pass that the king Mosiah sent out a proclamation throughout the land round about that there should not be any unbeliever persecute any of those who who belong in the church of God. And there was a strict command throughout all the churches that there should be no persecutions among them, that they should be all, uh, sorry, that there should be an equality among all men, that they should let no pride nor haughtiness disturb their peace. So they see that kind of the, that, I mean, they know the cause of the pain of their people, you know, it's, it's this disunity, but they're trying to like lessen it because they, they can't, they can't force it. You know, it's a, it's a personal choice. And so that that's, that's what they choose. As, and as leaders, I feel like that's a very strong choice. It's a very wise choice. Ultimately, um, the story that is, is so well known um so popular so you might popular, say popular you might say one of the most popular stories you might say is starting in 161, 161. is when they're they're a hindrance 
to the church. Yeah. I don't know where you're yeah, going. It, with, it starts. Okay, so it sets the stage of their testimony kind of in 161, saying they're a great hindrament to the prosperity of the church, stealing away the hearts, which is important because it, it, it talks about um, them realizing what they've done in, in the later uh, verses of the chapter. So uh, it's important to keep that in mind. It says they sought to destroy the church, to uh, lead astray the people of the Lord, contrary to the commandments of God or even the king, their father. So they were going about rebelling against God, and an angel of the Lord appears again um, to them in 163. And he spake, as it were, a voice of thunder, it says, caused the earth to shake right where they stood, and so great was their astonishment that they fell to the earth and understood not the words which he even spoke to them. So they're scared, senseless at this point. And he, nevertheless, he cried again, saying, Alma, arise and stand forth. Why thou persecutest thou the church of God? Which is why really the the similarities start with Paul, Saul. Why persecutest me? <laughs> you know, and it's, the, it's really one of the most popular stories because it's a 180 turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's exactly that is that they were going around causing ruckus um, and then... This happens. An angel comes and says, why do you persecute the church? Your your father's been praying for you. He's been praying with so much faith and knowledge of the truth. Um, therefore, for this purpose, in 169, I've come to convince thee of the power and authority of God that the prayers of his servants might be answered according to their faith. And then he asks them, do you dispute the power of God? And then uh, several other questions. And they they're like, oh. No, what have we done? And they kind of come to this realization, you know. But the thing is, after he, he stops talking, Alma, he passes out pretty much. He he um says 179. Now the astonishment of Alma was so great that he became dumb that he could not open his mouth, and he became weak, and he couldn't even move his hands. Therefore, he was taken by those that were with him and carried uh, helpless even until he was laid before his father. And at this point, they're just like, well, he's probably dead, you know. And his father, um, hearing of the testimony that just happened, he rejoices. And he knew that it was by God that this power happened because no one else could have done this. He caused the priests should assemble themselves together. Um, They began a fast for Alma and um, specifically that he would receive his strength again and, and that they the people would know of the testimony that Alma had just um, been through. Alma comes to his senses, um, the prayers and the fast were answered by God, and he stands for them and says, I have repented of my sins, and I have been redeemed of the Lord. Behold, I am born of the Spirit. So Alma is the first born again, guy in the Book of Mormon, self-proclaimed born-again guy, I guess. And then he goes on to describe his his uh, experience when he was dumb. I want to do a throwback. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Alma has been baptized, we assume, because his father was the high priest of the church. And if you're eight years old and your father's the high priest of the church, one would think that one would get baptized. Unless he was really wicked at eight years old, I guess, or really didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. But I want to go back to, we talked about this on our episode with Amos Johnson, 
Um, that was one of the very earlier episodes, but how this conversion happens um, so many years after the baptism. And mine was similar, but his was his was a lot like um, Alma the Younger, I think. So I want to just encourage you to go listen to that if you haven't heard it. And in that, we talk about kind of the same thing that Alma, we don't mention Alma specifically because we're in a different part of the Book of Mormon, but Amos talks about him really when you ask, when were you born again? When were you born by the Spirit? He can say, this night when I was 21 years old, that's when it, my real conversion happened, which I think is important to note because um, it can happen for you still. I still expect, as I work with the Lord, to be converted to more things, to understand more, and to, to have my understanding opened more. But sorry, I've gone on long enough. Andrew, continue. Nope. As uh, a good reference to, um, to a, a very similar story, and... Um, it's just another testimony of, you know, we have so many stories in the Bible, Book of Mormon, and Doctrine and Covenants, um, and then so many testimonies we hear from people at church and people all around the world, but it's just such a testimony to to all of us that it's the same God. Um, we have very many different stories, but it is the same God behind those stories, and, and so it's really cool to see, you know, um, ones that are similar like like this and, and Amos's testimony really cool. But yeah, Alma explains what he was, where he was when um, he was dumb and passed out and says, he says, specifically starting in 191, he was in the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity. I was in the darkest abyss, but now I behold the marvelous light of God. And it says, um, this, can, I, can I mention something about yeah. the gall of bitterness? So the gall is like referencing to the gallbladder or the bile of the liver. Um, I just looked that up straight up. So don't uh, accuse me of having knowledge. The bitter parts? The, yes. The bitterest but, of bitter. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to say is that this is happening inside. Like this is a bitterness that's happening inside of you. And so while he's saying, yes, I'm in the gall of bitterness, he's saying, Okay, there's the dark abyss around me with nothing, and also inside of me, it's just terrible. Like, uh, that's what I'm feeling, the bitterness of this bile that's in my liver. Which which really speaks to what he was doing beforehand and why he would be in such bitterness now, you know. As, as it goes on 204 to 207, it was the my favorite part of the chapter, the very last verses. Um, he, he talks about, and we'll get to it in just a second but yeah hold your horses yeah. people yeah people um <laughs> uh, anyway uh 193 he continues on the pity train not really but he says his soul was wrecked with eternal torment i am snatched and my soul is pained no more he goes he he, he really realizes what he was doing um to sum that all up i guess but he was made very aware of his place and, and Jesus's place in his life. And um, as we've alluded to in this episode and the episode beforehand, he was made humble. Uh, he was he was brought to a point where he realized <laughs> the things that he was doing were wrong. And um, there's such a value in that. And, um, you know, we might not be running around persecuting the church, but we can benefit from praying to God and saying, listen, show me what's what I'm doing that's wrong because we all need to be brought to a, a place where we're more humble, you know? And um, 
that I I really think that's a lesson we can take from from Alma. You you guys have any thoughts about that in particular? Um, just a quick thing that I thought of. I was like, well, we might not be running around persecuting the church in a physical sense, but really, if we're living in iniquity and we're sinning and being unrepentant, then that's that's going to bring down the church and that is persecution of such uh, of sorts where you know the the church is meant to bring people up and closer to god and um eventually uh, the bringing up and building of zion and if you're doing anything to stop that then you're you're persecuting the church and you need to really have a conversion and repentance and obviously it most likely won't be as uh intense as uh, alma's but yeah there sure could be it sure could be and then depending on what you're doing so um yeah that that's just a thought that came to my mind it's like really if we're if we're not doing what we're supposed to then we are kind of persecuting the church i i just um enjoy the fact that Alma talks about how terrible it was, but once he's woke up and he's been redeemed, that that terribleness is gone. Like he describes it as the worst pain ever, but guess what? It's over now because of the new man I am and the the born again experience I am. Um, and that guilt that he had that he probably didn't even realize yet. He didn't have any guilt for, for persecuting the church while he was persecuting the church or otherwise he would have probably lightened up a bit or stopped. But, um, that guilt is swept away. And so almost he, I don't think he gets out of jail free. I don't think he escapes because he obviously had a big experience with it. Um, but that it's no longer got a power on him either too. And, uh, I think that's also why he's kind of just like the Paul of the, the book of Mormon and that he's, he flips, um, he's, he's, but he's never lukewarm. Um, he goes from cold to he flips hard. Yeah. Searing hot. And, uh, there's nothing that can slow him down. Um, and uh, I don't want I'll let you wrap it up, but I also want to add that um, the sons of Mosiah, Ammon, Aaron, Omner, and Himni, um, they uh, they experienced the same thing as Alma, not on the same level where they were paralyzed and couldn't speak, but they saw the angel, um, they hear the testimony of Alma, and then they become a, a force for good for um, for the kingdom. Um, in, in the next few books here, or in the next book anyway of Alma, they're major players. So um, I'll let a- Andrew wrap it up because I know this last verse was one of his favorites. Yeah, they, they were um, my favorite verses of the chapter. A part of their repentant process um, was not just that they confessed that they had done wrong, but um, as as Sam said, they they become major players for good. And it says in in 201, traveling roundabout through all the land, publishing to all the people the things which they had heard and seen, preaching the word of God in much tribulation, being greatly persecuted by those who were unbelievers, being smitten by many of them. Notwithstanding all of this, they did part much consolation to the church, confirming their faith and exhorting them with long suffering, much travail to keep the commandments of God. And it's just like, man, what a 180, you know, like they go from easy way i don't like church so i'm gonna i'm gonna persecute it too we'll do literally anything because we know beyond any doubt that god is on our side 
and he loves us and he cares for us and he has our best in, in, in um best in mind and and i i really just love how it's it's played out um 204 they traveled throughout all the land of zarahemla um we'll go into later how they travel outside of that land but specifically here um these were the people that they had been leading astray so it says they were confessing their sins publishing all things which they had seen explaining the prophecies and scriptures to all those who desired to hear them and thus they were instruments in the hand of god in bringing many to the knowledge of the truth yea to the knowledge of their redeemer and this is the this is my favorite part and how blessed are they for they did publish peace and did publish good tidings of good and they did declare unto the people that the lord reigneth you know and i i can look in my life and um and pick out times in which I feel like I've I've been a good testimony to the people around me that God reigns in my life. And that really he just reigns in general. But there are a lot of lot of instances in my life where I haven't been a good testimony to the people around me that God is in charge. And that is where that is where I I believe all of us have have fallen. We we don't show to the people around us, to the people that who don't believe in God, who don't believe in the God that we believe in, we haven't shown them that that God is in charge of us, and and that is really where the ministry starts. That's that's where missionary work starts, and and so I really love um, love that idea that um, not only did they repent, they went around sharing to everyone who they could share with, who everyone that that would have them that they they declared unto the people that the Lord reigns. So you guys have any uh, that that ends the chapter. Um next episode we'll get into 12 and 13 finish out the book of Mosiah. We'll do those together I think and that is about it. If you guys don't have anything more, I'm good. Thank you guys very much for listening. Um comment, subscribe, smash that like button. <laughs> God bless. Thank <laughs> you.